you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Whether you ride a bike, a bronc, or a skateboard, Wrangler jeans are for you. I love Wrangler. Oh, my God. It's a Wrangler jeans ad read. Classic or modern styles, a range of fits, all price points, vintage re-releases. Wrangler has something for everyone. Visit Wrangler.com and check out their selection of jeans, shirts, and outerwear for men and women. New styles, great fits. Wrangler, real comfortable jeans. Mark, you need more clothes. Wrangler. Bring it on. Big toss. Dalton to his right end zone. Touchdown, A.J. Green. Here's a blitz pass. He's caught. Good catch. A.J. Green. Foot race. His second of the game. Touchdown, Bengals. Flacco hit as he let it go. Up the grounds and picked. 34-23, the Bengals over the Ravens to kick off week two. This is Greg Rosenthal alongside Chris Wesseling, Dan Hansis, and Mark Sessler will be with us a little later to preview the week two games. But Chris, we are here to talk a little TNF once again. I, I forgot how to do this, but I know uh, this was a tough night for you testing your professionalism to write nice things about the Cincinnati Bengals, the undefeated Cincinnati Bengals on NFL.com. That's one way to put it. I would say in my defense, I've been pretty complimentary about the Bengals throughout the offseason and certainly about Joe Mixon the first two weeks. That's true. And Mixon made a difference in this game. Even though the numbers didn't show it, 21 carries, 84 yards. When he came back into the game, he was on and off the field because of injuries. When he came back in in the fourth quarter when they absolutely needed a drive, he was kind of the key guy to kill the clock, move the ball, and they got a field goal that, that held off the Ravens. The Bengals were up 28-7. to They almost blew it. Did you think they were going to blow it? And what, what were your of big course. takeaways? Uh, I absolutely thought they would blow it because I've seen this, you know, for 25, 30, 35 years. The Bengals always blow leads. This time, they did, they did a good job of keeping the lead. And I think this, this is one of the most improved offenses in the league. And, it, and the defense has improved, too. Even without Vontez Perfect out there, this defense is better than it's been. You think they're going to go 16-0? and 0? No, I don't. I, I don't think they have it in them. But it would be fun to see them go 16-0 and 0 
and then lose in the first, in the well, in the second round of the playoffs. That would be that would be Marvin Lewis really stepping up. They are a different team though, don't you think? Uh, Tyler Boyd is really becoming a solid number two to AJ Green. Green had three touchdowns in this game. He could have had three last week. Andy Dalton will find open receivers if you give him time. And this offensive line kept him sack-free against a defense that dominated the Bills last week. Yeah, the the coaching changes for this team have been a little under the radar. So Frank Pollock uh, is their offensive line Former Cowboys offensive line coach. And they look like a different offensive line. They look like a solid offensive line. Bill Bill Lazor has had all offseason to implement his playbook. He sort of got thrust into that in the middle of September last year. I was thinking back to, I believe it was week two, a year ago, I was in this studio talking about Bengals-Texans, and that was a terrible game to watch the Bengals offense. And comparing that Bengals offense to this one, I think they have some staying power. I know it was a Thursday night game on the road, but they pushed around the, the Ravens' defensive line a little bit. I don't know if the Bengals are ready yet to challenge the Jaguars and the Patriots, but they look like a playoff team to me, and mm. I hope we get west of us again this year. I think we are. I think the annual tradition, Erica, you, do you know what west of us is? Our producer, the loose cannon, is behind the glass with us this, this hey Thursday night. Do you know what west of us is? Uh, it's like the celebration of Wes. No. Well, sort of, in an offhand kind of way. Yeah. I created this about, what, seven years ago? It was the annual, like, Sounds about right. Saturday afternoon in January, the first round of the playoffs, when the Bengals lose every year. So that's his favorite day of the year. My he favorite He celebrates holiday. the Bengals losing, and we haven't been able to do it the last couple of years. I'm with you. I think at least two teams are getting into the playoffs from the AFC North. I predicted the uh, Ravens and Bengals before the years would be those two. We'll see. It's a, it's a long way to go. I think if you're a Ravens fan, I wouldn't freak out. I don't think any differently about this team after this game. The, the, the defense wasn't great. But actually, as bad as Joe Flacco looked in the first quarter of this game, the difference between this year's Joe Flacco and last year's Joe Flacco is at least he can do enough to rebound after a terrible start and put up some garbage stats and make it interesting. That Last year's Joe Flacco wasn't doing that. Yeah, he almost went for 400 yards, and a lot of that is because his receivers are better. John Brown dropped a touchdown but made some big plays in this game. I think they really missed C.J. Mosley, who went out with a bone bruise early in the game, and the middle of the field was wide open for the Bengals for most of the game. And the other thing that will worry me if I'm a Ravens fan, I'm probably making too much of this, but Eric Weddle is 33 years old. He's played 170 games at one of the hardest-hitting positions on the field, and I hope he took a bad angle on the second A.J. Green touchdown because he looked awfully slow on that play. He didn't. He did not look great tonight. Geno Atkins might have been the best player on the field. Two tackles for loss, four quarterback hits, two sacks, but the Ravens aren't going to win any games where they have no sacks, no turnovers. Andy Dalton in prime time was basically mistake-free throwing to A.J. Green. And I just want to read a tweet that the loose cannon said, and I want to see if she can explain it to me. She wrote, A.J. Green is like that ex that you ignored their calls a little too long in case someone else called but then shows up to the dance with Tom Brady. Catch my drift. <laughs> what is your drift? Okay, no. so listen, listen, listen. Make it quick. Too, okay, okay, make it quick. AJ Green, people last season were sort of like, yeah, he's okay, he's good, you know, whatever, blah, blah. They're kind of eh about him. And then tonight, he like busted through the gate the first half, and everyone was like, AJ Green, oh my God, heart eyes emoji, so like AJ oh, Green. So he's the so popular kid he, now. But he was the one that we were all sort of like, mm, I'm not going to pick up the phone for him mm. calling because I'm going to see what else is mm. out there. But then he shows you up by you know, bringing Tom Brady to the dance. That was just me throwing in Tom Brady. <laughs> but otherwise, like, bringing the hottie 
to the dance when you didn't Anyone call Anyone that was ever questioning A.J. Green too hard doesn't know what they were talking about. This That's guy, true. This guy's a Hall of Famer. Uh, and then finally, before we throw it to Dan, I want to I wanna hear a voice of another Hall of Famer in my eyes. But Andy, you've been playing with your hair on fire, basically. Well, it was, a, it was a good way but to... But I'm Yeah. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> I that, see what you did there. <laughs> I see what you did there. Andy Dalton, 2018. That was a great reaction to our friend, Colleen Wolf. Congratulations for... Colleen, hanging out in my hometown. First night hosting the pregame, the halftime, the postgame of Thursday Night Football. They grow up so fast. And she, she did an awesome job, as predicted. She was incredible. Congratulations to Colleen. And let's throw it over to Dan and talk a little bit more about the Week 2 slate. The Around the NFL Podcast. Hosts up Jays in the backyard. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. I like that idea, actually. Just have listeners start sending high-quality clothing mm. to my desk at work, and I'll start wearing it. You heard it, people. <laughs> Hit me up, and I'll give you my sizes before you purchase. At the top of the show, you heard Wes and Greg, the scientists, break down the Ravens and Bengals tilt uh, on Thursday night, and our job today uh, on the late Thursday, early Friday edition of our pod is to break down each of the week two games. Uh, we we were, you know, of course, in London last week. We get back Monday, uh, highly jet lagged. Um, I actually slept to almost 6 a.m. Uh, this morning, so I feel like I'm really heading in the right direction now in full recovery. Uh, but no one said that was part of the deal of going to London. It was like no one cares about you. You're going on your little fancy boy trip, and when you come back, you're going to be dropped into, you know, the Viet Cong 1971, uh, and that's where we are right now. But you can just, like, whine about it at the top of the podcast. At least that helps. Yeah, I'm not whining. I'm just saying this is I, reality. My, my, I think our job is to try to recapture some of the energy that was going back and forth between Wes and the loose cannon behind the glass before the, the show started because that was something special. I've never seen Wes scream at someone like that. Yeah. Oh, there was no screaming. Oh, please. Erica, your thoughts on what happened before the show. The I incident. think Greg's just jealous that since London, Wes and I have a, a much Ooh. deeper bond. We're tight. Greg? There's something to that. Okay. Well, By the way, Dan, I, I wonder if it. Vietnam vets might disagree with your opening <laughs> analysis there. That was a little, little bit more harrowed than wandering around a carpeted uh, corporate building talking about a sport. <laughs> well, you know, I, you know I love this country and, uh, of course, all the veterans, the true heroes. Uh, of this country but one thing they don't know is what it's like to go on a work trip to england and <laughs> then true. come back and have to record three podcasts and go to multiple meetings i'm losing it wes is right <laughs> on the edge it's week two wes i'm on the a, precipice wes had a borderline meltdown when his slack wasn't opening and then he found out that we had to do a, a video hit what was it? What did you say? There's not enough hours in the day. That's some. That's what a crazy person says when they lose it. There's not enough hours. They need more hours. Day need more clock. She also made fun of Erica's upbringing for not knowing what apple juice looks like compared to. Other well, that's after she accused well, that, me of drinking urine. Well, yeah. But wait, oh, have you ever met a human in their twenties that doesn't know what apple juice looks like? It's a that fair, did it, not look like normal it, apple juice. It's a fair critique, Wes. I, I'm with you. Thank you. 
Well, it looked exactly like apple juice. No, it and didn't. actually, there was a label on it that said apple well, juice. Well, I did not that, see the that label. Was a, that was through another you con- drinking a LaCroix with a straw. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Erica, the context clues were everywhere. So. I'm going to keep my cool right now, but don't ever come at me about LaCroix or how I ingest it. With a it. straw? Daddy likes his straws. <laughs> All right. Here's what happened. Yes. I get through chemo. I have a I skate through the off season, the easiest off season I've ever had. Yeah. And then they helicopter me into week two. Yeah. And by the way, you have eight new jobs here. Deal with them. And I'm like, well, how? When did all these jobs get on my plate? You know what we're gonna get soon? I know. Go ahead, Mark. Rest playing that other little fiddle song he likes to play. It it was it went quiet. Do we have the fiddle? For a couple years, but. It got a little bit louder it's now. Coming back. It's that little war cry for that little salary increase. Oh, it's that coming. That song starts to just get a little bit louder. It's coming. I'm underpaid, and I'm not going <laughs> to take it. We're going to start getting some raises around here. How many jobs do you want a man to do? We're all going to get fired. Um, okay, so we're going to go through each of the – I agree, by the way, Wes. I would like more money, too. Uh, but you know what? We're pretty damn lucky, too, aren't we, Greg? It's football season. <laughs> we're here to talk football, and we're going to go through each of the games. Um, I was going to say half the league is 0-1, but Marks Browns, oh, we just can't pull this off. It's too hard to kick a field goal. Wait a minute. They ruined everything, so now there's a tie attached to two Hold teams on, for the pause. rest of the season. Two items. Number one, I like how you don't blame the Steelers for that. Secondly, <laughs> in a preseason episode, I predicted the Steelers would have nine and a half wins, so – Ooh. Let's see how that turns out. That's looking good. <laughs> Might have exactly. <laughs> Do we call ties half wins now? Is that the is I that would give it the to you. That's exactly what a tie would be in the standings, 0. 0.5. Uh, yeah, you would get that. Okay. We're going to go he's through every game. He's someone insane around here. Thank you, Wes. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I don't know if he's the guy to get behind insane. on that. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get going. Let's start uh, in the NFC South, a, a great rivalry. Um, the Carolina Panthers, 1-0. Uh, they kind of bullied the Cowboys a bit. Not a great showing offensively by the Panthers, but what they did do was beat up on the Cowboys' offensive line, on Dak Prescott, didn't let Zeke Elliott get loose. So really on balance, a nice start in the first uh, game with uh, David Tepper at ownership and with the big Panthers logo in the center of the field. Uh, uh, who cares? I'm, I'm, I keep talking about the logo in the center of the field. I don't know why that keeps on connecting it's, in my brain. <laughs> Uh, but it's now a big they're going deal in Carolina. They, they were talking about it all off season. Okay, so maybe I was just—I uh, didn't even realize I was tapping into that entire. They have region. bigger concerns right now. <laughs> they head now to Atlanta to face the Falcons, and this—you know—these are not must-win games, uh, Mark Sessler, in Week Two. But you know what? That was such a bad showing by the Falcons, especially on offense against the Eagles, uh, that you really want to see them do something and really take care of business at home in their home opener. Big game for them. Yeah, man, because we, you know, you and I picked the Falcons to say, win yeah, the man. Super Bowl. Yeah, man. I did. I'm never, a little annoyed. I've never heard season. Mark say man. In is this life. the new Mark? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. Like, it was awesome, bro. Well, I'm just playing <laughs> off of the lexicon you were throwing at us before the show where you're trying to be like a man from, like, Queens, 1978, like, son of summer, son of Sam summer. Like, I'm just like back talking to we, we little balls. All right. Okay. Please. Let's get on track here. Anyways, I one of the most tiring narratives all – this offseason and last offseason, because they got pounded into like 42 dead horses with Steve Sarkeesian. How will he adjust the offense? What will happen? It's like, here is the problem, though. 
nothing is more depressing than me when you watch a team come out the way they did the, the Falcons against the Eagles and have the same identical problems that they had on offense a year ago. And this is a team that since Steve Sarkeesian has showed up has ranked 29th in red zone scoring percentage. So it's not just words, it's real. And you look at Falcons, the Falcons losing games, the playoff game last year, the game this year, where you with the red zone offense were completely different. They're a different team. We're talking about them differently. They might have been the Super Bowl winner and slayed those ghosts from two seasons ago. How the heck did they get out of this situation? This is like the Battle of Chancellorsville. Who's left on these rosters? It's week two. Mm. And the Panthers and Falcons are the two most injured teams in the league. What battle was that again? It's a Civil War battle, the okay. Battle of Chancellorsville. I did it. It was, yeah, Dan's it was all bloody. Over. Those veterans bloody also have fair. no idea what it's like to be on a podcast. Big win for the union. So. Well, yeah. and Dan's a patriot. They definitely don't yeah. know what podcasts are. It's been a while. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Greg Olson's gone. Trey Turner, who was one of their lone surviving offensive tackles, has a concussion. And then Devonta Freeman's not practicing this week for the Falcons. Jones and Neal are out. Who's left? God forbid, Greg, that the yeah the injuries is a big part of this. But to to Mark's point, God forbid the Falcons start sputtering in the red zone again, and they have another game like they had in Week One, tying back to the playoffs. Because then that's all anybody's going to talk about. They need right. to score points and a lot of them on Sunday. This is such a great opportunity for the Panthers. Ron Rivera, even though they lost all those players to injury, I think loved the way that his team came out, and they could perhaps bully the Falcons mm. uh, up front with that defensive line, which did look incredible. And we, we just came from a meeting uh, for this Twitter show that we're going to be starting on Tuesday. And one of the segments that the shadowy league figures aren't too sure about that was broached as an idea was this is not, this is not gambling advice, but mm. that that's basically the segment. And for, you know, maybe we could try it out here a little bit. It's like, <laughs> this, is, idea. this is not gambling okay. advice, but, I'm a little shocked that the Falcons are huge favorites in this game because this is one of those games, you're right, Dan, that they have to just find any way that they can to escape with a victory, and I'm not so sure up front on either side of the ball that they have the advantage. I kind of see where the desert people are coming from in the sense that Thursday night opener is weird to start with, and you're playing the Eagles and the crowd and the banners going up. I wouldn't put too much into one game, a week one game on a Thursday night. Uh, but they're not, they're not going to be favorites much longer if we keep seeing the way they look. Well, on, did they uh, not Thursday. account for what the Panthers did last Sunday when they make this desert? No, yeah, they, it's all accounted for. And the and I, I think, know it is. I'm I think it's it. I think it's the injuries, especially on Carolina. But keep an eye on Ian Thomas, who really impressed the Panthers had earned a role on that team as a rookie tight end, which you don't really see. He was already splitting snaps with Greg Olson, and he just is a physical beast who I think if you're in fantasy leagues might be a guy that gets a lot of targets because they are just not healthy in Carolina at all. And I think Cam Newton loves throwing a tight end. North Turner loves tight ends. I could see this rookie uh, being a pretty big factor. Pick this game. I'm just out of, curi- out of curiosity. Panthers. Wes? Falcons. Falcons. Yeah, I'm taking the Falcons. Okay. So let's see what happens. Uh, moving on. The Los Angeles Chargers uh, laid a stinking egg in week one against the Chiefs. Now they travel to Western New York to face the Bills, and no one laid a bigger egg in week one than the Buffalo Bills. 47-3 loss. And uh, Sean McDermott, although he says he'll take it to the grave that it was the right decision to start Nate Peterman in week one. Well, despite that, despite that that strong (laughs) conviction. I hope he's not thinking about that when he's, you know, on his You know, these guys are nuts. He probably You know what I mean? Like, I hope he's thinking about his family. He has made the move now to bench Peterman 
Josh Allen, this is now your team. You get a Chargers team, Chris Wessling, that will once again be without Joey Bosa, who is out indefinitely, and that does not sound good what's going on with his foot. So any chance that the Bills shake off uh, what was just a horrendous showing in week one against maybe a vulnerable Chargers team? I feel like I've been saying for five years, never underestimate the Bills at home. But I think it's safe to underestimate the Bills at home. Mm. Let, you, speaking of strong convictions, when we did the hot seat bracket, my strong convictions was that we were giving Sean McDermott way too much credit because this could be a like 1-15 in 15 type of season. And it certainly looks like that to me. That quote that you said was just plain weird about Peterman. I'll take it to the grave. That's just weird. Actually, let's hear the exact quote from Coach McDermott. Do you feel you misjudged the quarterback position heading into the season? No. No. Why not? certainly looks that way from where we sit. Well, listen, I felt like it was just like this. I feel like it was the right move. I felt like that was the right move. Um, and, and And I'll take that to my grave. Um, that's how I felt about it. I'm always going to try and make the right move for our football team. Sometimes it's going to work out. Sometimes it's not. And I stand by it as a leader. I stand by those, both the ones that work out and the ones that don't. And then the fact that Zay Jones's mom is telling people that Zay had to tell Kelvin Benjamin where to line up. This, is, this happened in the preseason. Bill's receivers didn't know where to line up. What is going on with this coaching staff? And when you well, and when your mom is talking trash on the other receivers and you're answering questions about that, that feels like a team. It's like one of those week 16, 17 stories of a team falling apart. But this is week two, and as much as the Chargers charged last week, they did have 540 yards, and they did give up a ton of points on special teams, which is kind of what they do. Yeah. But if if they can just not make massive mistakes, not give away points in special teams, not drop all of Phillip Rivers' beautiful deep balls. I mean, they should they should make some hay. Part of Chargers charging. Tell her about Phillip Rivers' yeah. beautiful he's deep got, balls. He's just beautiful deep balls, you know, nice and down the field. Well, looking. When you look at the family tree, I buy into it. He delivers I, I it in a funny fashion, too. Yeah. I just think Chargers charging has a lot to do with the fact that Phillip Rivers will throw for 500 yards, then throw the killer pick, then the missed field goal will come, then everyone, you know, half the stadium is is rooting for the other team and everything crumbles. But, I mean, Wes, I think part of the reason that McDermott probably didn't rank as high as he should have on the hot seat is that they've had five head coaches under this ownership in five years, if you want to count the interim. And the GM GM and the coach are aligned, and it's literally the first full year with that GM. Well, the GM might be gone, too. This is a, this is shaping up to be an awful season. I think that I think ownership would live with that because they essentially telegraphed that they are taking a step back. And I do think we should at least give McDermott some credit that they always stepped up. I mean, we counted them out a million different times last year, and whenever they were kind of at their worst, they would play a good game. I I don't think this is some walk in the park for the Chargers. It would not surprise me. Yeah, but you think every single NFL game is not a walk in the park. Well, that's true, though. It's by far the most... Greg is the greatest ambassador of the sport. There's never a huge favorite in Greg's (laughs) mind. But that's that's how the NFL plays out. That's why there aren't huge favorites in the NFL, because... There are huge favorites! There are statistics Statistically, that anything can happen on any week, especially at Thank a home game. Thank you for that. Right, but no week, no Compared week in the season. Compared to a college game, no week in the season like flip flops everything we assumed for right. seven days, like week two. That's fair. Because we haven't seen football yes. all season, so like, oh, but now we have all this new information, right. and then we have all counter information Sunday night. And if you think the Chargers, and you know the Chargers, number one, Mark Sessler in the pain rankings. They're going to travel 3,000 miles, Crocker and you're going to lock, lock them in for a guaranteed victory? Uh, show me something. 
L.A. Oh. Chargers. So I'm allowed to lock this game up? Uh, they are the biggest you, favorites. You know of the, the rule. They can, are the biggest. Can you look in the mirror? You guys just you guys just told me that this was like an even game. You tell me. Can you look in the mirror? I think anyone can log up anything. You guys, you guys say this is like a 50 shot. I would I don't be think disappointed if you did. No one said that. I don't care. You can lock up whatever you want, whatever makes your heart content. That wouldn't make my heart content. Let's move on. The Minnesota Vikings uh, got their season off to a nice start against the 49ers. A real nice start, in fact. I thought they were one of the more impressive teams in week one. They now travel to Lambeau to face the Packers. The question is, Greg Rosenthal, will it be the Packers with Deshaun Kaiser quarterback or with Aaron Rodgers? It's very much up in the air. I was worried that the news that Ian Rappaport, our NFL Network insider, broke right as we were coming up here that the Packers might not know Rodgers' status till Saturday at the earliest which makes it sound like either he's probably not playing or at the very least they're just drawing this out as long as possible to keep the Vikings not knowing. Because if they don't know until Saturday at the earliest, my guess would be he's not really going to be participating in practice much, if at all, on Friday. And he, and he hasn't yet. And it's strange because he finished out that game last week. And generally with a great player like that, if you finish out the game before, you're probably going to play the next week. But they also have to think of the long game here. It was great that he had that performance, but it is a long season. And they're not going to do anything to jeopardize Aaron Rodgers. And that would basically end this game before it started if he doesn't play. Most likely. I don't think Kaiser is ready to handle this Vikings pass rush I did like or anything the news about that. That, that Kaiser gave a a really good, supposedly uh, inspirational speech in the halftime locker room last week, but then he came out and then he didn't play because they thought he was he was playing and he got it. Well, it did enough Randall to get Ka- Aaron Rodgers right. back on the Randall field, Cobb so. like said it, it fired everyone up and then they got out there and it was like, oh, actually, Aaron's going to come back. Why is it that we haven't heard any details on this knee injury? Well, essentially, it's a sprain. I mean, I think that's what Rodgers said, right? So that's a detail, isn't it? In that, if you want to have him play through a knee sprain, we'll see. Yeah, he was dragging that leg around. I, it, it would not surprise me if he doesn't play. That was my thought watching that game. Obviously, the adrenaline is pumping, and they're on this comeback, and Al, Chris, and Michelle are watching the game. Or as uh, Luce Cannon said before the show, it was Al – what was it? Al and Jake. Al and Jake. I don't know. Al and Jake are the best on TV. Luce Cannon, Erica Tamposi, is very upfront that she's not a huge NFL fan. She's a huge Patriots fan. And uh, that's fine. There's no problem. I have no issue with Very that. Very similar to a lot of Patriots family. But it does it does trickle out sometimes. You get these little fun little La Raville Magnificos. Like when she says, oh, yeah, it was on Sunday. Alan Jake <laughs> made the call. Magnifico. Jake Collinsworth. Jake. <laughs> Love you, Luce Cannon. This, is, this should be like the best matchup, just about a divisional matchup in the NFL right now. If Rodgers plays. That's what I'm saying. Please it's, play it's Aaron Rodgers. It's annoying because the Vikings defense looks – Potentially even better. That's how good Sheldon Richardson looked, adding him to that mix. Yeah, where was that Sheldon Richardson last year? Um, so Seattle's wondering. Well, he didn't oh, have Everson Griffin Sheldon and Daniel Hunter. I refuse to speak during this game segment. Why? What's up? I don't know. Oh, you just have an issue with it? I got No, I just got a few minutes in. I thought I'm just going to – Yeah. now I'm speaking, so I totally <laughs> did not you, – But you, like, low-key do, do not like the Packers. No, actually, you know what? Watching, the, watching what happened against the Bears, despite them being the team of ATL, that was – Pretty incredible. You'd have to be a walking corpse, which we almost were at that point in the night in London, <laughs> to not enjoy that. Um, I, I, I like Aaron Rodgers. Wait, wait uh, a second. Yeah. They've got your. You boy almost Pat. made it through the whole preview. Just get. I, get I to did it. not do it. I did not do it. Okay, we're gonna move on then. Please Unless do. You have, uh, well, he was I was waiting for you to move say. on, but then he was it just, just kept going. Some pretty it great analysis. No, that's not. something coming there. No, I'll save it for week three. 
The Cleveland Browns, Mark, now you're back in 0-0-1, annoying, uh, head to the Superdome to face the New Orleans Saints. And this is a very interesting uh, setup for a game, Mark, for your Brownies because as frustrating as it was not to close out that game, that was a really positive step for the franchise to hang with the Steelers, to nearly beat them. And now they go to face the Saints. Last year, the Saints, you would have hated to face them from October on. Uh, and, and you could chalk it up as a loss. But after they get walloped and give 48 points to Ryan Fitzpatrick, all of a sudden, to quote your boy Kevin Garnett, uh, Greg Rosenthal, anything is possible! <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, the Saints team also oh has started 0-2 four years in a row. They gave up 500 yards That's ridiculous. last the team year. Drew Brees doing that. Right. And last year in week one and week two, they gave up 500 yards before they tightened up into the defense that we – Came to love down the stretch, I guess. I think it's a strange game. <laughs> Fell in love game. with that defense. It's a strange game. I just, I would wonder <laughs> what you'd have more faith in, though. The Saints actually turning it around this week on defense or Cleveland's offensive line. And I know you went Oof. back and watched this, too. That it wasn't just the fact that T.J. Watt turned into an absolute nightmare. Well, after watching that game, Von Miller should have been defensive player of the week, not T.J. Watt. Well, I'm fine with that, but T.J. Watt did plenty to disrupt he the Browns. He did, and it wasn't just the offensive line. The Browns running backs and tight ends got worked over. This was not just – I mean, Desmond Harrison, who – it was so weird hearing their sideline reporter, Mel Melanie Collins. Hugh Jackson said that this guy is one of, the Melko? Most, one of the most talented players on a team. Joe Thomas said – this guy can have a better career than me if he gets his nose in the. I heard all that too. It. It's like, was it the, what? Maybe it was. It's week one. It was insane weather, but he had he had two he bad gave up more hurries than any offensive lineman in the league. I, they're a penalty ridden unit that, like, I think they set them back last week big time. And do you get off the? Can you fix that in a dome? I don't, I don't understand. Hugh Jackson skated by on this whole plan that he had Joel Batonio at left tackle all of the preseason, and which then, was working, and then he flipped it going into week one. Seemed very strange. I would be worried if I was a Browns fan that they played 89 snaps last week on offense, and that's a, a heavy workload out of nowhere, and now you have to go on the road and play again the next a week. A pissed-off Saints team. Right. I think I think that's a tough matchup. That said, I think the, the Browns have enough defensive talent to at least give the Saints problems. It's a way different defense than Cleveland's ever brought against the Saints before. The Breeze has lost to them twice, which means nothing. I get that's a long time ago, but he's never dealt with Miles Garrett on Cleveland's roster. Miles Garrett like was a when he a couple times when he came up, up against Big Ben, it was like the shadow of a front door swallowing up Big Ben. I never seen anyone on a Cleveland roster do that to Big Ben before. And we talk on about revenge games. Like this is a real revenge game. I mean Sean what? Payton and Greg Williams legitimately despise mm. each other. But Even isn't that true for most people and Sean Payton and Greg Williams? <laughs> <laughs> Seems that way. Gonna start like your mailman. I'm like, I hate that man. Uh so a big game for the Browns. And the Browns have every week the Saints game for them, and they play well, uh, and they again prove themselves to be you know a challenge for anybody. You're feeling good, win or loss here, as long as they're competitive. You know, I'd agree. Yeah, I would not feel comfortable locking up this game. Hmm. I get that. As little Browns one of the teams the, is on a 17 game angle. losing streak, so that would be. Oh, you're weird. saying they're off to their best start in 14 years. Oh, you're saying because the the <laughs> Saints are too heavy of a favorite. Well, or because you think the Browns Saints are going to win. Saints are a much better team. All right, let's Playing move on. Home, we got to find out. For, for right now, they're in the mix of the one of the worst defenses of the league, and they have to prove that. This could be a bad Saints it. here. They happen a lot. The mm. data at our disposal is not limited to week one. It also involves what they've done in their careers to date. 
Right, and it's not, it's a, a lot of players who have played on a lot of bad defenses. All right, let's move on. We head to the Meadowlands where the Miami Dolphins, they played a seven-hour game in an electrical storm, and it was a whole mess. But they took care of business against uh, the Tennessee Titans, 27-20 win. And now here come the Jets. And we talked about the Jets on Wednesday's show and, and all of a sudden how there's uh, hope has walked in the room and Sam Darnold looked so great. Uh, against the Lions and that defense. And this is where we'll start, we'll start with the Jets, um, Wes. The defense to me, Todd Bowles has been there. This is his fourth year. But have we ever really seen the Jets have a identity on defense since he's been there? I would say no. Uh, but that defense against the Lions looked like an, a team with an identity, fast, aggressive, young, and that got you excited almost as much as Sam Darnold playing well. Yeah, Jamal Adams especially. Um, love he's watching that guy play. I think the question is, are they that damn good, or was this a product of stealing signs? Mm. They knew what was coming from Matthew Stafford. They all talked about it after the game. That is a huge factor. So, Isn't my, that part of the game? I, I was trying to kind of decipher what that actually meant. If, if it's part of the game, wouldn't you hear that every Yeah, you don't hear teams say yeah. That was unusual to hear a team say it right after that. And one. it's also something people have said about Jim Bob Cooter's offense before. Mm. Um, my question to you, Dan – you obviously have a lot of feelings about the Jets, but people don't know. You kind of have some feelings about the Dolphins, too. You, you'll usually have a good read on them, and you like to like foil. You like to be a foil for Henry a little bit. Well, I have a lot of animosity for the Dolphins. They're, they're an old rival. They go back forever. I was at the uh, fake spike game in 94. Uh, so that, and they've kind of been, yeah, uh, they've kind of been on the same wavelength for the Jet, with the Jets forever now. Um, do I have any? I don't have anything. So my question. Yeah, what is your question? <laughs> The winner of this team is going to be 2-0. and Yes. Would you think that the winner of this game is a legitimate wild card contender? I absolutely think so. Before the season, I I was in a mailbag I wrote. Uh, a Dolphins fan said, give me anything to be excited about. And I said, listen, look at the AFC. Look at what's going to happen once you get past the division winners. There might be a, a wild card team that's also very good, a 10 or 11 win team. But from – the perspective of the summer, it felt like that sixth playoff spot is going to be wide open. We're talking maybe not eight and eight wide open, but a team that can win nine games will get in the door. And I, I think the Dolphins are a team that is in that mix. And after you see the Jets in week one, at least, you're like, oh, the Jets can absolutely be in that mix. And, yes, the team that starts 2-0 and here, there's no reason to think that they won't be hanging around in December. It's very exciting. Jets are a different team with Quincy Inunua. Like I yeah. just I love that guy. He adds uh, a level of toughness. He got a huge percentage of the the targets, the energy. Just they need they need guys like that. And between him, Crowell had a good game. Powell, like the field position, it was a pretty complete performance. Like they, it was all three phases. They did more at least to impress in week one than the Dolphins did, for what it's worth. Uh, that said, the Dolphins are forever getting slashed on this podcast, and, and largely for, for good reason in years past. I did not think they looked that bad. In no, the they game. didn't. It was, it was also – I take the last third of that game and almost throw it out the window because it was after all these silly days. Silly game. And it, it, it did truly turn silly. But the Dolphins, when they can run the ball, and you saw – I like that – I think that you were talking about Frank Gore all last Sunday on Sky Sports – he looked younger. He looked fresh. And when you can get like Kenny Stills playing the way he did, Fitz, Tannehill to me, I get he's he is Ryan Tannehill, but he was not a disaster in that game outside of one terrible pick. No, he didn't get a lot of attention coming back from his torn ACL. But he looked he looked like Ryan Tannehill. And I am contractually obligated to mention Frank, the inconvenient Treath Gore, is 15 yards away 
from becoming the number four all-time leading rusher in NFL history. Emmett Smith, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, and Coral Gables High School's own Frank Gore setting that mark just miles away from where he grew up. You got to love that. He Come played, I feel like Greg is getting paid really well. to say some of these things. <laughs> it's true, though. It's a Both great, it's a great, a great story career. for him. It's a great, a great story for him. He looked good. Both of the running backs look good. And, you know, are you kidding me? Of course I'm going to lock it up here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's go. The J-Men. You can't take that. Lock it up. <laughs> 2 and O, oh, and we fly to Cleveland for Thursday night football at 2-0. Wow. Oh. That would be To face the 0-1-1 oh, one one Browns. Wow, you... The 0-0-2 oh, oh, Browns. <laughs> that's, that's a good chance. They, after that Thursday night, they can be number one in the entire NFL, 3-0. and oh. What if Cleveland that's did not ahead go? Ahead of everyone. Cleveland oh. does not go. They did not go 0-16. Oh, Pinch me, Greg. They do not go 16-0. and oh, They go 0-0-16. Oh, oh, <laughs> That would be oh, oh, that would 50. be more amazing oh, than the Super Bowl. Oh, 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 and sixteen. Oh, oh, and sixteen. Oh, I oh. honestly think that would be the most <laughs> Wait, fascinating would you be like NFL the, season of all time. Would you be the number one seed in the AFC? Well, according to you, it's not a win. <laughs> Mark didn't lock it up, so obviously it wouldn't be anything. Would <laughs> no. they be the thirty-second? What would I they mean, be? Uh, oh, oh, and sixteen. No, they they would have a chance. Yeah. They would, you know, unless five. But you would win a tiebreaker against, uh, well, not an eight and eight team, right? Let's, that's never going to happen. Wait, we've got someone's got to find out the answer to okay. that question. What do you mean? It, it's it's 500. They, they they have a 500 record, and then after that, the tiebreaker is just – Right now their so record's easy. 500? So I don't get – If half. they were 0-0 and 16, they're 500. I, I should get half a lock then. I think it's safe to say no, they're the first winless team in the play. How would they be 500 if they have 16 ties? That's just how it is. You that have is yeah, equal wins and losses. Then I should get half half a lock for – I don't know. Maybe hurt. not. Lock doesn't maybe work the same way as Maybe I'm an idiot. Of course it doesn't. The Kansas City Chiefs. Head to Pittsburgh. Yes, the Steelers also 0-0-1. And uh, the Chiefs looked as dangerous as advertised against the Chargers, just lighting them up um, at the – what 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 the Chargers play? What's the name of that place again? No, the Chargers Stadium, the soccer field. The big bell bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so uh, here's a game, uh, Greg Rosenthal, where the Steelers really want to – uh, just play better and play better at home. But Big Ben has an injury issue here, and, and when Big Ben's hurt, they're not the same team. He hasn't practiced Wednesday or Thursday. His status seems up in the air, but it seems like one of those Ben Roethlisberger weeks where everyone fully expects him to play anyways, despite Josh Dobbs getting first-team snaps. Uh, it does, I think, worry you as a Steelers fan because this is – uh, a sneaky good rivalry, I think, sneaky over good. the last few years. Played a couple times, including in the playoffs two years ago. Sneaky good. They've been back and forth, and I think it's a big game in the AFC. One of these, one of these, you know, teams we already talked about is two and zero in the AFC North, and it's a tough matchup for a Steelers defense. I think that has to be concerned in the secondary more than than any place on their team. And if you have problems in the secondary, this Chiefs team is the type of team to expose it. I'm not flat out calling Big Ben a, a drama queen. But he does have a long, storied history of playing up his injuries. In his defense, Randy Fichter, <laughs> the offensive coordinator, said I wouldn't be able to answer that at this point, whether he expects Big Ben to play. So Ben's not the only one playing up the injury this week. It is a good rivalry, I guess, but Big Ben is 6-1 and one against the Chiefs. And they're the one team that it hasn't been a million matchups that have slowed down Tyreek Hill more than any other team in the league. This feels like a different Tyreek Hill to me, though, the oh, way God. he's being used to Patrick yeah. Mahomes. I mean, I, if I were the Chiefs, the one thing I'd want to see is a little bit more out of Travis Kelsey this week because if you can have him going alongside Tyreek Hill, I mean, I think Pittsburgh, 
which down the stretch gave up some big passing plays against the Browns last week, hidden in a bunch of junk, uh, they could be in trouble. Wes, did you do any more uh, journalistic uh, deep diving on the background, how uh, Player of the Week is chosen? Because I know you, uh, mm-hmm. if you saw Wednesday's show or listen to Wednesday's show, Wes on fire that Patrick Mahomes and not Tyreek Hill mm. awarded Player of the Week. I had no intention of ever doing any kind of deep journalistic. Perry <laughs> Kill was the best player on the field last week. I'm I, with you. I sent one tweet to NFL PR guy, and I have not heard back. It, it was it wasn't a good performance <laughs> by the Chiefs defense overall, but they did get a big game out of D Ford, which they could really use, and Chris Jones as well last week. So like that, there's some little. And the second you're basically waving a stake in front of the ATN media insider, saying, "Dan, you go find that, go get the answer." Well, you are a journo, and Mark's an intrepid journo, and Greg, you know. He has done some journalism before. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been a journalist. Greg has done some Greg, journalism uh, before. He's, he's hung out with journalists. <laughs> I don't before. think that the QB index is journalism. No, oh. no, none of it. Is. What, Ooh, is, what this are the got rules? In an uncomfortable place. What are the rules with you know? <laughs> Not lock- quite journalism. What are the rules with lockups and like quarterback injuries and whatnot? Because if Ben's playing, and I'm fully expecting him to play, if Ben's playing, I think the Steelers rebound, and I'm going to lock that up. But it's a little unfair. No, you gotta Bob's hang there. with you gotta hang with whatever. Happens. If you if you yeah. lock up a team with a quarterback uncertainty, you gotta kind of ride the lightning. Yeah, on that one. I mean there there are people tracking this, Greg. There's a Twitter account devoted to this. Don't we know Big Ben's gonna play? I don't know. He'll play. He'll play. Whether he'll be effective will be another question. Let's move on. The Philadelphia Eagles. That was that was locking it up, by the way. I guess we heard it. We oh, got the sound the effect. We got it. Yeah. We had the whole sound effect. Making you said sure. It. Yeah, You're good. it's clear. Uh, the Eagles. Uh, they played last Thursday. 18-12 win over the Falcons. Their defense did a good job stuffing Atlanta repeatedly inside their own 10-yard line, and the offense, I guess, did just enough. Uh, now they travel to Tampa to face the Bucks, who we know all about it. Uh, speaking of players of the week, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who went nuts uh, in the 48-40 win against the Saints. We get to see what he can do against the Eagles. Mark, your thought. So there are a few things that I hate more in football uh, Wes will agree. Then the horrid sight of Tampa's overly lit, sun-blasted field on oh, Game Pass. Hate with it. those uniforms as well? One of the Come worst on. things around. That said, there are a few things I adore more than what the Bucks did last Sunday. Oh, yeah. Blowing up an off-season of presumptions while ginger-bearded Ryan Fitzpatrick threw more touchdowns of 30-plus air yards against the Saints than Jameis Winston threw all last season. I can't wait to see what happens to the NFL community when they knock off the Eagles to start two and O. Oh. Ooh. You gonna lock this up? No. He's locking it up! Uh, I'm not. Uh. I thought about it. I thought <laughs> I really did I really did think about it. <laughs> Sorry. Erica's like, Erica's like after fourteen days of listening to you all talk nonstop, you do this to me. You know. Well no, that, that I give you guys a lot of credit that you guys That we thought that about you it. Both Listen, thought about it. Like Dan has compared us to, you know, Incredible heroes that have fought for our country, and I think we're no, right no comparison. It's oh, different types of heroes. Yeah, I was gonna say that comparison sure. be way off, but yeah, but I'm just saying like just the, even the great war heroes. Yeah. Uh, just be just like we cannot understand what it would be like to be in battle. They don't understand it was like three podcasts in one week. Mm, it's a lot. Kidding? It's a lot to deal with. <laughs> I I think you guys Eatings? are smart not to lock it up because the best group in this game is still the Eagles defense. Well, I know. It was hold a, on. Yeah. I wrote a C poem this week to the Bucks receiving core. Top 10 receiving cores, NFL.com slash West. Are they number one? <laughs> they are number two behind <laughs> the Chiefs. But they are like hmm. the old Bill Walsh idea that your wide receivers should be like a basketball team. You don't want like five big, tall X receivers. They should complement each other. And the Bucks receivers complement each other as well as anyone. 
So or the tight ends are counted in this. Tight ends and your receiving Sammy, backs. They're Sammy all Watkins as a as your number one or two receiver. He's not the number, number one. Tyreek Hill is one of the best receivers in the NFL. Don't give me that. This Travis Kelsey is an All Pro tight end. They use Kareem Hunt very well. The Chiefs are there. The Bucks. The big winner of week one, Todd Monken, who took over play calling. Monk! And had a great game. You compared him to kind of like the Matt Nagy boost that the Chiefs got last year, Greg. You compared him to that in your debrief column. And this guy, like if this keeps up, and that's a big if, people are going to be talking about him as a head coach. It's already, meanwhile, it's already not too soon to worry that Nick Foles is just back to being bad Nick Foles. Uh, but now we'll get a good idea because the Bucks they can't defend anybody, right? Who's and the bigger Jekyll and Hyde quarterback in this game? That's a good question. But we what we know is that Foles looked right. very bad, <laughs> very bad in week one. And if he looks real, real bad in week two, I wonder how that uh, meshes with the Eagles' decision about how much they're going to wait on Carson Wentz. I don't know if that can affect anything to do with Wentz. I mean, the one thing about you Foles, hey, Wentz, you got a Super Bowl in your pocket. And well, you're thinking long term. Just saying, these guys are very competitive, winning and losing, stress, pressure. We'll see what happens. He's got. They need him to play better. Well, this isn't the Falcons' defense, so I would I would assume we would get the better Nick Foles if we don't. Time to be concerned. Let's uh, move on. The Houston Texans. Uh, they could not hang with the Patriots in Week One. Well, I guess they hung with them, but they just never really came close to getting over the hump. Now they travel uh, to Tennessee to face the Titans, who. Uh, fell in Miami in week one. Uh, here's a game, Chris Wessling, uh, where Deshaun Watson is going to be uh, looking to shake off the rust because there was a lot of it in week one. Yeah, Tony Romo was killing him for his pre-snap decisions in the second half of that game, especially down the stretch, which isn't surprising. He's what got like five starts under his belt in the NFL, so it's not Going surprising. up against Bill Belichick, who had an offseason to prepare for it, too. But from the Titans' point of view, I try not to take any grand sweeping conclusions out of a game that was the longest in NFL history and the hottest game the Titans have played this century. Mm. Uh, there were That's some legit. mitigating factors there, but Mariota was terrible before the injury. I was going to say, I did not, and I think this is a one-game sample, when Blaine Gabbard came in, and Blaine Gabbard's Blaine Gabbard, I did not see a major drop-off in that one game from Mariota, Mariota to, to, to Blaine Gabbard. The one thing I really like about this year's Titans is versus the Derrick Henry, DeMarco Murray pair, the Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis pair works for me. I, yeah, I, I think this is a good – they have a good situation on the ground. And I the Titans offense, part of Mariota's issues, he's had, what, five coaches in four years or something like four and five, and they've had such low wattage skill position players. You see little moments from Corey Davis. You see little moments here and there. And I think they could develop into something better down the stretch. I might be the only person in the country that also likes their new uniforms. I like them too. They're horrible. They're the Titans. I, I like really the I like the home oh. ones. I don't love the road Bruce. ones. We'll see the home. Yeah, ones I like this the home week. ones better. And all the Titans fans are going to get mad because I say Titans and stuff. And you think I'm just piling on? I legitimately think they look like CFL uniforms. But that's just my opinion. Their home uniforms look like a. A throwback to the, like the 1930s. I think they're cool. I like, like a the, mix the of home modern. I, I like it. Greg, uh, what did you see from J.J. Watt in week one? Yeah, I think he played pretty well in the second well, half of that game. Well, yeah, second half. He, I looked up in the third quarter, and I was like, oh, J.J. Watt's right. out there. And then he was there for the rest of the game. Right, and, and he talked about that th during the week, too, that he felt like it almost took him a while to even get back to feeling, but then feeling like who he was again as a player. And, th and then he was creating a lot of pressure. Uh, I, I, I think if you're a, a Texans fan, you have to be excited. They're, at, they're the healthier team here. Taylor, Taylor Luan is hurt. 
Mariota's playing, but he's not looking right. And it's not just one game because he did not look right in the preseason either. Rashawn Evans, like they have a lot of injuries on that Titans. You know what else went well for the Texans? Kareem Jackson moving to safety had a great game. Uh, A fun little nug from our beautiful week two research notes. Jeff uh, Greenholtz and everybody does a great job downstairs. On game day, it will be 728 days since J.J. Watt's last sack. Good luck, J.J. Watt. Let's stack some quarterback takedowns. Uh, Let's take a brief uh, pause here to throw it to the quiet storm. In 1959, the United States Army took on a covert project to construct Camp Century, a military scientific research base nestled below the icy depths of Greenland, then a county of Denmark. Falling under the top secret umbrella of Project Ice Warm, the complex was to serve as a launch site for nuclear missiles within an arm's reach of Soviet Russia. Eight meters below the ice, Camp Century came laced with a network of 21 tunnels running more than 3,000 meters in length. The secret base housed laboratories, a shop, a hospital, a cinema, a chapel, and accommodation for as many as 200 soldiers. The operation was so off the radar that Danish government officials were unaware of its existence. The whole thing went south, though, when military brass jumped ship on Project Iceworm after realizing the constantly moving ice was too unstable and would have to d- would potentially deform and perhaps even collapse the tunnels below. But sure, let's go back to discussing a sport where men run around in tights, white pants, and grab- grabbing at each other while doing hopscotch in the end zone. F***ed up the end of that read. Should I read that last sentence again? What? Wait. Are Wait, you talking what about? about um, what about Mr. Flame's economics class? <laughs> That's not a Mr. Flame read. <laughs> no, I know. Let me read that last sentence, though. We're leaving all of this in, though. Yeah, sure. go ahead. Last sentence. All right, sure. But sure, let's go back to discussing a sport where men run around in tights and gab at each other while doing hopscotch in the end zone. I don't know what that last sentence means. My my favorite. Can we clip? You That's a saying, real thing, by the way. Can we clip Tamposi saying, "What are you even talking about?" <laughs> I feel like that would be a good sound drop in general. That would be a great sound drop. Moving right along, the Indianapolis Colts <laughs> are zero and one after a thirty-four twenty-three loss to the Bengals in Week One, and now they travel to Washington to face the Redskins, who looked. Uh, mighty nice, uh, Greg Rosenthal, uh, against the Cards in week one. The, no road team uh, really was in more control outside maybe the Jets in week one than the Cardinals, than the Redskins, excuse me. They looked awesome, and if we hadn't already chosen the Bears of the team of ATL, I think I would be... I would be promoting the Redskins as a possibility. Long a, a team that I've basically rooted against year after Reviled year. Reviled by you. Yeah, basically the one team I, I pretty much admit I'm just biased. I'm rooting against you. Don't like the operation. But this this year, they just feel they feel different. And I, I throughout the offseason, defensively, but especially offensively, I think they're going to be really fun to watch. And I, I really do believe that it's going to be them and the Eagles for the NFC East. And I think the Redskins can be a playoff team. I'm with you. I, I think everyone kind of slept on the Redskins in the offseason just because the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Giants had maybe more sexy storylines around them. Uh, but they look so good in week one. And that division, it, f- it figures to be, I don't know if there's a dominant team in that division. Why can't it be the Redskins? I think it's hard to sign up for them because – I, for me, and I know a little bit of Wes as well, all of us have sort of fallen for them for periods, and then they just disappoint you while other more established teams get the job done. But to me, it's about fit because we know about Adrian Peterson. Wes has been talking about him for weeks. But Chris Thompson, and you get Alex Smith. The way these three pieces fit together with Jordan Reed on the outside too, 
this offense to me is one – they dominated Arizona. They just had their way. And the way that they ran, went down the field in the two-minute warning before halftime to get it to 21 points versus 14 or nothing or 17, that to me was Alex Smith playing at the top of his game and directing that offense in a way where he's completely at home. And the Redskins would have been a completely good team of ATL pick had it not been the Bears. Chris Thompson said he's not going to be healthy until November. After that devastating leg injury, he looks so explosive. He if he's not healthy, what are we? I mean, like, he <laughs> looked faster than, like, 18 other human beings I've ever seen in my life. Their linebackers in front seven look really good. Their linebackers Jonathan are so Allen. underrated. Yeah, and Jonathan Allen looks awesome. And you mentioned the fit for Alex Smith. It's like the fit of Jay Gruden and Alex Smith, to me, is the, the most important fit. And for whatever reason, Jay Gruden never seemed to really wrap his arms around Kirk Cousins. Stop. It, it's this just, is revisionist history. It's just, Total revisionist history. It's just true, history. and it's the type for of – For three straight years, he said – in the lab. Kirk Cousins is the kind of quarterback you build a franchise around. Consistently said that. While and burying, then, him, while burying him off the record, that, that's not hard to read between the lines. Stop, of the stop. This is totally wrong. It's hate false. hate to see this, Mark. It's false. It's not correct. He it's stood it. behind Kirk Cousins 100% until the day he found out Kirk Cousins wasn't going to be there anymore, and then he turned on him. But Jay Gruden, every time, went to the mat for Kirk Cousins. While burying him behind the scenes. It's and not just giving not him a true. Contract. It's I, just not I true. I have almost three times taken a karate chop to the head from West. All I'm saying is, this is Jay Gruden's organization. I would put him in the top three or four in terms of head coaching power. Whatever happens in this organization is what Jay Gruden wants to happen. And he got this Alex Smith trade done. He said goodbye to Kirk Cousins. It, it was a financial thing, obviously, too. And all I'm saying is, he's a, really excited to have Alex Smith. And it might be a better fit. I'll tell you one good fit. Yeah. Me and this team, the Redskins, locking it up. <laughs> I like it. I got to win this one. Well, yes. Uh, Mark and I fell in week one in the locks. Wes and Greg uh, 1-0. and uh, So we're one game back. It's a lot of ball game. I mean, I can go pull like a dozen quotes, Greg. A dozen, at least. <laughs> and, yeah. and they are more <laughs> glowing than any coach talking and, about any quarterback. What are these reports And they, the Grudens about? are well known for being totally trustworthy. when the I've never seen any glowing. reports that, like, the John Gruden or Jay Gruden doesn't trust Kirk Cousins. Gruden did. Bruce Allen Gruden maybe, did cut against yeah. the grain to put Kirk Cousins in over RG3. Uh, yeah. When that was not popular with a lot of fans and stuff. I thought that, I mean, that's support some people say when two people that you know are kind of going at it ooh, i'm uncomfortable i'm like really comfortable when wes and greg start going at it it's like i'm in like, really a, like, like a warm like wool sweater it's, yeah on a brisk new england like november morning nice little crisp fire dust off a little dew <laughs> <What>? <laughs> all right moving on the cardinals they were defeated by the redskins in week one and uh their reward for a tepid showing at home to start the season is a trip to Los Angeles to face the Rams, who whooped up on the Raiders. And we didn't really get a chance to talk about the late Monday night game on Wednesday's show. Uh, so uh, before we get into this matchup, Mark Sessler, I was curious your thoughts about what the Rams did, specifically in the second half, where they really just turned it on. Well, that to me was an example of – because I, I, the Raiders surprised me to hang around the way they did as long as they did They were winning game. a halftime. Right. But the Rams, you have to go toe-to-toe – the entire way because they have too many people that can wear you down. It's their defensive line. It's Todd Gurley. It's the way that they use Jared Goff and his wide receivers. you got to be on top of it play after play. And as soon as the Raiders started to show any cracks, the Ra- this is what the Rams did last year. And this is what I think they'll do against the Cardinals again. You might keep them quiet for a quarter or two, but then they'll have that quarter where they drop 
17, 20 points on you, and there's no way to cap- catch up. And the Rams, to me, because I had, I had questions about continuity. Are we going to see what we saw last year and an improvement? I think Jared Goff is notice- noticeably more comfortable and some of the stuff where they had to coach him before the snap, he's doing some. They said he's doing some of that just simply on his own now. He's an extension of the coaching staff, and this Rams team does not look any less powerful on offense. And the Cardinals, who laid a total egg last week, how do you climb out of that with the offense they showed? The Cardinals aren't good. No. And Bradford played bad, but their offensive line and their wide receivers were even worse. This is I. To me, this looks like a total rebuild year, and I, I had higher expectations than that for them. I mean, non-Larry Fitzgerald receivers, wideouts, had a total of four yards in that game. I mean, that, Woof. that's a problem. And I also think that Aaron Donald and the Rams as a whole have showed the preseason and maybe even training camp a little bit to be to, a little bit of overrated. If you were doing a little winners and losers, it's like training camp in the preseason are wildly overrated. If Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack and all the guys that essentially it's overrated for the best players in the NFL. Sure. But they showed up five or six days ahead of time and they play 65 snaps. And by the way, Aaron Donald was awesome in that game. Don't you think they're the exception to the rule? Cause they're just that good. If you have Sean McVay and Aaron Donald, you can get away with it. Okay, they also the Ram the Rams skipped it. I just think the fact that any of these players can show up after missing that much work. Earl Thomas was another one, and they just were outstanding well, right away. It's, I don't it's, know. It's star veterans. Magnifico for the NFL. I don't know if it is for the whole league. <laughs> it's star players who know the playbook because it used to be like, oh, you're a meat, you're working a meat packing plant, and now you got to come to camp and get in shape. It's like these guys are in optimum shape. Right. But for 80% of the players who, don't, who are trying to get on the roster and trying to keep roster spots, I think it's more important. And it's a separate issue, but the Rams' offense sitting out the preseason didn't, didn't hurt them either. Uh, and I know. I get it, by the way. You, you paid Sam Bradford $20 million, but get Josh Rosen on that field. I do. You're a team for the future. You're, you're building for the future. It's going to happen soon probably it's just because they're not very good, but that's not a, a – they're not setting up Rosen for success either. I know that, but at a certain point, Sam Bradford is one of the last guys in the whole league that I would pick to be shepherding a team that is so clearly not ready for the now. Bradford, I don't know where Bradford fits in. Maybe like the Vikings last year if he could have stayed healthy, but I don't see what they're gaining from him. He's a progress stopper, Wes. That's what he is. I agree. When you look at this team, it's like why even bother throwing Sam Bradford out with that offense? And we were told all through the pre-draft process uh, that Rosen was the most pro-ready guy. I'm just saying. I'm sure it will work itself out in a couple weeks. What do you think, by October? I'm going to say week four. I'd be surprised if he's not starting by week four. That wouldn't surprise me. Did, this would be their first the Rams two and zero start, I think, since the early '90s. If they win, any yeah, if they win, and you do, you do kind of look at the the NFC in general and this division. I don't think I don't think it's a great NFC West, and I, I do think the Ram the Rams are obviously a Super Bowl or bust type of team. I think they're a team that's in a good position to get a bye. Ooh, I thought you were going to go all no. the way and say they were in a position to maybe no. I'm just saying go sixteen like, and oh, it's not a bad it's not a bad schedule that the Rams have. I I have no worry about them whatsoever just because Sean McVay is that good. All right, moving on. The Detroit Lions, no one looked worse uh, in their own building than the Lions in week one. They were completely outclassed by the Jets uh, in a 48-17 loss. And now they travel to San Francisco uh, to face the 49ers. Uh, Wes, even before that Lions game on Monday night, um, I thought that there was a potential situation of Detroit going into a buzzsaw with Kyle Shanahan and Garoppolo getting out of Minnesota and getting healthy. I feel that I'm more strongly – my feeling about that is more strong than ever after what I saw on Monday night. What do you think? 
I agree, and it's the other side of the ball that I was going to concentrate on, that the 49ers' defense, even in a loss, looked really good. Mm. And where is this Lions running game we heard about all August, all offseason, that they have fixed their running game finally? They got the offensive line. They've got the running backs. This 49ers team held Dalvin Cook under 50 yards rushing. And then you com- you're coming into San Francisco with your veterans complaining about a coach. And I don't know if Matt Patricia will ever be a good coach. I don't know if he's a good coach now. But I do know these Lions veterans have accomplished nothing. Hmm. So why should I believe they know how to win? Who are who do you think who are these veterans we speak? I've thought about. I don't know. Golden Tate, Glover, Glover Quinn is not playing as much. He's been probably their best player on defense. He's about as respected as anyone. I'm not going to guess who's talking about it. But an awesome headline. No, no, but they might be. I was really interested to see that he wasn't playing as much, and there's some talk that he might even not even be starting. I was like, wow, Glover Quinn. Quinn's kind of been amazing. So that's like a veteran leader. That's a veteran kind of guy, right? But he doesn't fit, apparently. Any other thoughts about this game, gentlemen? Any concerns at all about Jimmy G after that game? A couple bad decisions, a couple great no. throws. I think this is one of the best matchups you can possibly have is the Detroit Lions defense right now. They've shown that in the preseason and then in week one. I almost feel like Get Jimmy right. G, too, with the way he finished last year. And it was bound to – there's going to be all these questions when he has what is an expectedly down-to-earth performance here and there. Like, oh, you know, are we jumping ship on Jimmy G? It's like – He's no. going to be fine. And Every game he makes a throw or two, you're like, wow. My advice to Matt Patricia is, after seeing him on the sideline, like about 400 shots from ESPN, breathe, big fella. Well, yeah. <laughs> talk, maybe talk to some of the other, other your coaches on the sideline. D- try to enjoy yourself because he did not look like a guy that was having any fun in week one. Art Shell used to get nailed for that, for just sort of 1,000-yard stare for like 15 straight minutes where it's like, excuse me, sir, um, can we just get you back registered? <laughs> That's in going way back. Marquise yeah. Goodwin, he's not certain to play in this game. Probably sounds like he's not. And Dante Pettis might end up being like the number one receiver on this team for this week or, or while Goodwin is gone, which is why. Look good in week one. Look yeah. great. All right, moving on, the uh, Oakland Raiders. Uh, who were outclassed in the second half of Monday Night Football against the Rams in the Black Hole. Now they travel to Denver to face the Broncos. Um, Greg, I'm going to set you up on this. Now, uh, the Broncos, uh, and Wes, I, on your advice, because you're, you're talking them up so much, uh, I watched the Broncos this morning, and I totally agree. Actually, I that I think that was the to me the best game of week one. It was it just was. a fun back and forth game. Isn't Philip Lindsay fun to watch? Philip Lindsay is very fun to watch, and Von Miller when he just stole that like a loaf yeah. of bread, the, he was awesome in the game. Emmanuel Sanders, please. But hey, Emmanuel Sanders. that said, what what I was saying on Wednesday, Matt Lacrosse, <laughs> that guy was great. What I was saying uh, before I watched the game, I feel the same and even more so. That our boy Case Keenum, he could have thrown five or six interceptions in that game. He got he got hit with three, but he could have easily thrown at least five. Um, so Greg, I'll start there. Uh, they looked, they really looked much much better on offense. But did Keenum terrify you at all watching him against the Seahawks because he was pretty loose with the football? He was he was loose. He's he's gonna be a little scary, but I kind of think that's what they're going to just have to be. And I, and I, cause I don't think this is going to be a great defense. They had some major meltdowns in the secondary. Uh, and so I think if the, the Raiders are going to throw vertical, like this is a week to do it. There was some miscommunication. That was a, that was a pretty dominant performance. It should not have been 27, 24. They doubled them up in terms of first downs. And so Keenum kind of kept the Seahawks in the game. I, 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 I don't know. It should should the Broncos be heavy heavy favorites in this game? Are we already at the point where just we're trusting them to win? I guess I'm not quite there yet. They should be favorites to the extent that what 
I'm blocking him up. Oh, good for you. Good for you. Broncos are my team this year. I, I mean, I'm not other surprised. Teams. The Bears are my team, of course. You know, uh, loyal to the team of ATL. But yeah, not surprising. We each already have like second team of ATLs stacked behind the Bears. <laughs> Bear, the Bears got to show us something in week two. That's, uh, that goes without saying. Uh, the Raiders, meanwhile, we'll give them a, a, a little well, love is a strong word. But uh, how did you evaluate their performance, Wes, on uh, on Monday night? They stink. That's a, I mean, Derek Carr played really well in the first half when Jay, when John Gruden was scripting the plays. And then in the second half, the knock on him, even before he entered the league, is he doesn't handle pressure well, and he didn't handle pressure well. And you've got Gruden in the days following coming out and essentially sort of calling out Derek Carr for not seeing Amari Cooper downfield to the press. Why Why do that? Although we know that that's a tick of Gruden's in the just, past. Yeah, I think he's just – Loose, you know what I mean. I just think he was saying what he thinks, and that sometimes he just gets loose, and he ends up throwing players under the bus a little bit. In Carr's defense, it was not a good performance by their offensive line, and that was the thing that stuck out, stood out about the Raiders two years ago. Some of those throws he just threw up for grabs. Right, there's no defense for that. Right, but Colton Miller had a bad game. Osemele got worked. I mean, everyone gets worked against Aaron Donald, but Donald Penn's on a different side. And that was, I'm just saying that was the strength of the team. He was protected better than any quarterback in the league two years ago. And that doesn't seem to be the case. And that's going to be a problem. Shout out to Leon Hall written off by about eight different teams, 30 something years old and look like their best defensive player in that game. Let's move on. The uh, New England Patriots. Life's still good on the throne of ease. Uh, They took care of business at home against the Texans. All of a sudden, uh, Erica plugs in. She's paying attention now. Good for her. <laughs> uh, are we going to win? Are they, is it the same watching the Pats now that your beloved uh, Danny Amendola is playing in South Beach? No. I was going to say, like, what? <laughs> no, it is. It is. It is. It, it's the same? Yeah. Okay. Who's your new Danny? There isn't. A, I mean, Edelman's suspended. So, like, this, I'm just sort of cruising till week four, five, essentially. Yeah. You like those bad boys. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the Pats one and zero. They now travel to Jacksonville. This is a great, great game. It's the it. I would I I, I hazard to guess, but uh, it has to be the Phil Sims Jim Nance special. Uh, Pats Jags rematch of the AFC Championship game. Uh, Mark that the Jags let slip away. Woo! This is a good one. Breaking news: Phil Sims back in the booth. <laughs> is that what he is? Who? I didn't even know Dan said that. He Dan must have said Phil Sims. I said Sims. Yeah, I believe I believe we still have. Well, Romo like at, Sims like, and Romo are at the same level right, of greatness. It, it, so sometimes I just I yes, Tony Romo actually, yeah. and Jim Nance. They're actually bringing Sims back for Bengals Browns Week Twelve. <laughs> good, good. Well, good for Phil. That's Beasley Reese's game. Where is Phil these days? By the way, is he on Inside the NFL on HBO? Yeah, and he's on their pregame. He's on CBS's pregame show. Oh, so Phil's okay. Don't cry for Phil Sims. It's called a reass- it's a reassignment. They move you to a different part of the media limb. Phil, Phil's okay. Phil's got a couple of rings. It's coming for all of us. Someday. Right. It's yeah. co- it's coming for us. We're gonna be doing like the. I don't know. What, how could we get demoted? I, I, I was You're trying to drive time. And yeah, I was trying to think of like what do they think less of than podcasts, but they don't. So <laughs> in this company, <laughs> I don't think there is a demotion we can get in terms of speaking. Yeah, I could think of a few. Maybe maybe like we're just like we're in that social blue room. You know, like all all the young all the young NFL workers are in one room where their king Bryce Gustafson Those sits in the middle on a magical couch. I know what will we, we, we'll be producing the broadcast. 
<laughs> we'll be behind the glass with only one person allowed to speak, and they can At choose once. who. All right, here we go, Mark. Anyway, uh, I'll set you up. Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski versus Jalen Ramsey and the Jaguars defense. Yummy. I think we were talking downstairs the other day or some in some room that this feels a lot to me like uh, hearkening back to the 2003-2004 Patriots. Yeah, suddenly... I disagree. I don't think it's like that. <laughs> All right. Why All right, next game. Why don't you explain your comment? <laughs> no, go ahead, go I just ahead, think it is. I think you look at like Trey Flowers and Juwan Bentley and Dietrich Wise Jr., and then you have an offense where you've got Cordero Patterson and Philip Dorsett catching the ball from Tom Brady, who looks – like he's in about 2004 shape right now. He looked completely young to me all over again. He's better than he was. This is an interesting team. I think the Patriots, again, anyone that wanted to predict their demise, which I think I believe I had a sandwich that they would not make the playoffs, well, I'm going to lose that. They're going to make it, and they're going to be about 13-3. and three. <laughs> So <laughs> one, one gradually greater. <laughs> the guy just gets better. It's amazing. He, I think when, when he goes into Canton, like his biggest attribute is going to be staying power. He's just always there every September, every January, every February. He's always there, and he's always better than he was the previous year. Well, yeah, I wasn't being flipped saying he's better than 2004. There's no question he's yeah. better than he was. He His best two-year two year stretch in the NFL is the last two years. Like I, I don't even think it's, it's amazing. that debatable. And he, he had a great week one. That said, this is as tough of a matchup as possible. I'm not ready to just uh, – How will they summon the power <laughs> well, they are to playing win this week, The Greg. best defense in the league. League, oh. And the best defense in the league showed up in week one and looked exactly like you had expected. It confirmed that, hey, this is going to be Miles Jack's kind of breakout year. And, hey, oh, yeah. they're about as deep on the defensive line as any team in the NFL. You have to admit it. So like a one in 30 chance they have to win on Sunday with the Pats? It's a Where coin flip it? game according to the 50, people 50. of the desert. I mean, it should this be is a coin Las, flip. No, I think it's a coin flip game. I agree. Okay. Jacksonville wants it. I mean, this is this is the AFC rematch. No, she's plugged in. This no, they're going to they're gonna come back. They're go, they want to try to prove won that something. Game. They, they were up 10 in the fourth quarter exactly. with the best defense in the league. The One of these teams is much better than they were in January. It's the Patriots. Exactly. Because Our defense, defense looks better. Are you, Tony Romo said that, that Bill Belichick is super excited for this defense. They are much better pass rushing. Like, this is a, this is a better defense. Here's the thing, though. Are they going to be – I don't think they're going to be – as good right now as they are at the end of the year offensively. I'm not ready to say, okay, they have a great – they have the best uh, quarterback and the best tight end, but it might be a pretty uneven offense they've in got September. Some... And so if the Jaguars shut them down pretty pretty well and it's 13-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter, I don't think that should be a shock to anyone. I agree. Was Leonard Fournette playing in this game? Game-time decision. I don't know. Enough with the game-time decision, that guy, and will his <laughs> hamstring hold up, and is that – you know – my God. Both backfields are in trouble. How frustrating that must yeah, be. Yeah, Rex Burkhead is coming off of a concussion. He was at practice Thursday, so we'll have to see. So Extremely limited. So Jeremy Hill out for the season. And the, and the Jaguars' offense, not that I expected them to look way different you know, this season, but I think that was a pretty discouraging performance in New York. They didn't score a point in the second half. The, the offense only scored 13 points overall. I think TJ Eldon looks pretty good, but it's not like you saw Blake Bortles come out in this game and you're like, Okay, this guy's maturing. It was a pretty poor Blake Bortles game against not a great defense. I got the Jags getting some revenge in this game. You guys got the Pats, or well, I'm country. I've got the, the Patriots. The Patriots yes. pretty convincingly. I don't pick against the Patriots in big games. I it's famously game. picked them again. Not famously. It's not a big. Nobody game. knows. It's a big game in the not AFC the Championship. Patriots. The Jaguars. It's really not. It's, it's the did. biggest game it's of the week. It's hard to lose this crap. It is. 
That's a big game. That's true. All right. Sunday night football. Oh, yeah. You boys love this Sunday night matchup. Speaking of big games. Oh, G-Bone. Coming off that disappointing. the Giants and Cowboys are on Sunday night football. Ratings, baby. That's why it happened. 0-1 versus 0-1. They moved the needle. A uh, 2015 loss to the Jags in week one. Uh, Did not look very good on offense, but it is the Jags. Great defense. They now um, travel to Jarrah World. And the Cowboys have a whole mess of problems, uh, Chris Wessling. Uh, but And surprisingly, the offensive line is now a liability. Or that's how it looked in week one. I w- never thought I would have said this a month ago or two weeks ago. But it's a big problem when the Cowboys' offense is worse than their defense. Yes. And it what? could be a season-long issue. What's the problem? What's wrong with this I think it's wide team? receiver to start with. The offensive line got outplayed by the Panthers' defensive line, and they're supposed to be the best offensive line around. That That's a big problem. Well, I mean, they're not, they're not when they don't have Travis Fedrick. Right, they didn't know that was going to happen. When's the that, last time Dak Prescott's played a good game? About 10 games ago. He hasn't been able to kind of rise above what's happening, and I think probably his best skill is those off-schedule plays down the field. Like He is one of the best deep ball throwers kind of on the move. It's like, who's catching that pass? He's not even really trying those passes right now, but who would be catching that pass on this team? Michael Gallup? They don't have, they don't have the person. Bill Barnwell at ESPN wrote a, a good piece uh, kind of digging Barney! into <laughs> no, one, no one called Billy. Billy. Uh, digging into the Cowboys who have the biggest competitive advantage in the sport right now because they have – with the, even even if he hasn't played well, maybe in uh, recent times, but uh, Dak Prescott is the biggest bargain because he was a fourth round pick and he basically makes no money. It's he, I think he's owed maybe two point seven million over the balance of his contract. Uh, and during the last two off seasons, the Cowboys have not really went after any big free agents. So and part of the reason why they haven't is because they've made so many bad deals. And and have so much dead cap money, and they and they have not handled their business affairs correctly. Des and Tony Romo being the two biggest, issues. right? That, but and there are a whole host of other guys that you completely forget that they've just been killing themselves with now for years, and that's kind of put them in this situation. You wonder why didn't they go out and get some more free agents while well, they're a little bit hamstrung? Uh, and you're seeing it all the the what do they call it? The the chickens come home to roost. Is that a term? I think yeah, that's, that's right. That's what's happening here. They I'm so proud of you. Yeah, where are you. they going? Aren't they're typically penned in on a farm? To they're coming home no, and they're, they're gonna go roost. And this is might be a, a lost season because of their bad business practices and their inability to surround a young quarterback that's uh, very cheap with real talent. Yikes! It's one. It's one week. Yes, Ben. It's one week. You have. <laughs> To be part of the show. Ever. That was that was actually a little throwback podcast. That actually sounded up uh, there. Yeah, that was good. Right that was That's good. what I have. I have a small stable of impressions, and uh, the bare naked <laughs> ladies <laughs> guy saying "Yes, man" is one of them. It's it's Sorry. shocking Hard that has, hasn't tonight. come come out more. I uh, save the, it for the other the show. show. You know, you have to you have to keep these. I want to hear separate. more often. Yeah, that was good. All right, check out the throwback podcast. <laughs> Randy Gregory suffered a concussion in week one, and I thought he was going to make a big difference. There's a report that he's going to have another suspension eventually anyways, mm. but he's not. it sounds like he is not going to play this game. Demarcus Lawrence is, and his absence makes it even less likely that the defense ends up being a difference maker. Jalen Smith played the whole game last week. wouldn't say he made like a, a huge impact. They, they have some good pieces in the secondary. I, I don't know like how good. How good is the Giants' offense going to be, and how much of it was just the ja- playing against Jacksonville? We'll get a good idea. Eli I didn't think, look bad. Sunday. I didn't think. I, I think Eli's 
had worse games, put it that way. He didn't I, look bad, but there's still a there's still like worse a, games. in an alternate universe. <laughs> it, it wasn't. T- I like looked at the box score and I was thinking this is going to be a bad Eli game, and he wasn't their number one problem. In an alternate oh. universe, though, the Giants have Sam Darnold and Adrian Peterson right now, and they wow. have a lot of hope. That's true. That would have been interesting. I mean, you can't really tag them with Peterson. Everybody passed on. I'm just saying, yeah, they, would, they would have needed a running back. They would have been a candidate to get so one. So it would be Sam Darnold and Jonathan Stewart. Sure, I'm just saying they could have had the quarterback and they passed. It's that. that or if they took, you know, I, Todd, I love Saquon Barkley. I get it, but if they took Todd uh, Gurley over Eric Flowers, that, is, right? That isn't it a little bit early to <laughs> say that Darnold was a better pick than than Saquon? It I is. I think it's very early, but it's way too. Early. I still, it honestly, is. there's a headline in the big believe. lead this week that was. Like, how much are the Browns and the Giants regretting passing on Sam? Right. Oh, I was like, that's the worst headline I've ever seen. I, but with the Giants, no, I think there's not. something it, to it. That If Sam Darnold, if we're halfway through the season and he just looks like a It's just that the Giants passed yeah. on the quarterback. The Browns did not, neither right. the Cardinals or the Bills. Uh, last game of the week, Monday Night Football, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, who has we, we like earlier. in that Cowboys game? I'm going to throw that out to everyone. Okay, Sorry. go ahead. Don't apologize. I think the, Cow- I think the Cowboys find a way. I think, They're not going to be as bad as. I think the Giants are a considerably better team. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think the G-Men are going to take care of business. Defense played pretty well. The Giants. I think the G-Men will roll. I think the Cowboys <laughs> are working through some stuff but right yeah, now. The Cow- if they get Travis Frederick back at some time, and that's a huge if. I have no idea that could help, but I I think the Cowboys are lost right now. All right, the Seahawks. Uh, they played a very entertaining game, as we said, against the Broncos. Fell short. 27 to 24. Uh, they head to Chicago to face the Bears. And uh, Greg, uh, we should talk. Uh, we should touch on the Bears because we haven't had a chance to talk about what happened to them on Sunday night. The highs were so high at Lambeau Field, and then the lows were absolutely crushing. I know, you know, a loss in Week One probably shouldn't dictate how the rest of your season unfolds. But I'm wondering what the confidence level of that team is after what Aaron Rodgers did to them. I've seen a lot of that this loss was somehow a good sign for the Bears, you know, the way that they played, the way that Khalil Mack came out. But I'm I'm more with you, Dan, that that was a massive missed opportunity. And the number one question about this Bears team uh, created more questions after this game. It was not a good performance by Mitchell Trubisky, especially after you got through those scripted plays early. He struggled in the second half. And I think that's a I think that's a concern. That was a major missed opportunity by them. Like it it should you're not getting any extra credit that you played this rival team tough. You got to finish that game like I that. had two takeaways from the end of that game. One, I I can there there was a reality where it should have played out this way for the Bears that Aaron Rodgers never gets back on the field. They have third and one uh, inside the twenty where they end up settling for a field goal. They throw the ball. And they throw an incomplete pass. You run the ball once, and my Bears colleague downstairs, Ali, made a good point too. You maybe you get two cracks at it because kick the field goal. You send Aaron Rodgers back on the field, down six. It set. It was set in stone. It felt like almost uh, what was going to happen next. So that was uh, my one thought. And then my other thought was after Rodgers does the Rodgers thing, and thank you by the way, Packers fans are sending uh, gift baskets to Kyle Fuller because he should have ended the game as well with an interception. But point. after. They take the lead, the Packers. The Bears come out on the field, and I just got the feeling that Mitch Trubisky, the way he looked, he just wasn't ready for that moment. And I, I think he played that way. He looked a little tight. And, uh, yeah, I, I, obviously there's questions that to be asked about Trubisky at this stage. I think we're still waiting for that game, even that half, where Trubisky does enough to convince us that 
Yes, this is the guy in Chicago. The search for a quarterback is absolutely over. I mean, it's over now for a while because they're going to work with him as much as they can, but the light has not gone on the same way you've seen with some other quarterbacks in the 17 games in. That's fair. Uh, Bill Simmons used to call it stomach punch level loss, one of the worst loss level. When you factor in the third and one, the, the comeback, the third and one, the Kyle Fuller drop, the Randall Cobb interception, and then that having one more chance, the Clay Matthews roughing the passer, giving you new life and still falling short, that is about as bad as a regular season loss can be in week one. And factor in, if you're a Bears fan, that all you've done in the past decade is getting whipped by Aaron Rodgers and the Packers over and over. Right. There was that – it was the well, opponent this, too. This is a great matchup to bounce back from, uh, bounce back on. You're back home. You're facing a Seattle team that, to me, has a, all sorts of problems. Uh, Russell Wilson – Ran it. Russell Wilson had a poor game for him, missed some throws, made a bad interception, ran into some sacks. He, he admitted three of the sacks were, were on him. And you're counting on Brandon Marshall to win on the outside. Yeah. You know, you're throwing late passes to Jerron Brown down the field. Rashad Penny was basically dismissed almost by Pete Carroll during the press conference this week essentially saying, like, this kid wasn't ready. We need to rely on Chris Carson a little more. Chris Carson looked good. And Chris Carson looked good. It's just – it's a lot going on, and you're not exactly sure who on defense other than Earl Thomas and Frank Clark are really going to carry the day. I feel like Seattle – like Bobby you, Wagner. You've finally and Bobby it. Wagner. <laughs> you've finally, after all these years done at Seattle, you've created an offense with no identity at all, other than Russell Wilson having to run around, do figure eights, get sacked 20 yards. Doug Baldwin being banged up is a big yeah, issue it's for a Yeah, but it's even so with him in there, what is this offense right now? It, just, it would help a lot. This he will, would help a lot. This is damn need good. It, that, that identity goes to the defense too. What, what's the defense I, right now? They've, they, you stripped away all these people, and it's like it's a nice fresh start. But really, what you is, you, it, you have nothing to really hang your hat on. If, right you, if you're the Bears, you are attacking Trey Flowers and Shaquille Griffin, or Shaquille Griffin, rather, who had a solid rookie year, but they were overmatched last week against the Broncos. I know that's a good pair of receivers, but they were just – people were wide open against that cornerback group. And so you would think Matt Nagy can cook up some plays here for his his wide receivers, who other than Allen Robinson didn't really do a lot last week. I'm taking the team of ATL on this one. Me too. You oh, got oh, oh, to ride with them here. Let's oh, yeah. go, boys. Bounce back. All right. Uh, next time you hear from us, it will be Sunday night, the flagship uh, show where we recap all of these games that we just previewed. So make sure you check in with that. And um, our Twitter show premieres on Tuesday. And this is fun. We're going to part of the show, and it makes sense. It's on Twitter. There will be a social integration aspect to it, uh, a way for the viewers uh, of the show to interact with us. So if you have any questions, comments, uh, if you want to send in videos, uh, if you want to do anything, Within the, the the bounds of the law, yeah, I mean, you, don't break the law, or at least don't get caught. Uh, hit Ameri- us up, American law. Yeah, hit us up on Twitter, uh, any of our handles around the NFL or each of ours, but make sure you use the hashtag around the NFL. Around the NFL, <laughs> use that hashtag. They even said use it. a capital letter for the in NFL. And but I don't really know. Uh, I think it'll still get through. It will still. Well, listen, yes. in these shadowy league figures went out of their way to say, we know that the listeners of this show particularly are different than NFL Network viewers, different than any other thing. It's a smarter group. It flat out, that's what they said. It's a smarter group. Yeah. They essentially, and, yeah. Right? They said, we. this is the group we need to chime in and 
Bring your goods. So, you know, please do not sleep through the day. They basically said anyone who watches NFL Network and responds is a bunch of mouth breathers. But our podcast (laughs) listeners are just geniuses. Einstein's. Yeah, like just, you know, just beautiful people. Uh, So, yes, uh, please uh, hit us up because and and watch the show because it's it's a big thing for us. And we promise to make it different and cool. Okay, let's go. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman. Judgmental Greg. Mm. Remember that? No, that's not a nickname. When was this? Oh, yeah, last show. <laughs> In the loose cannon. Till Sunday night. It's, isn't it easy just to throw it on? Yeah, post? it's super easy. Everything you want is easy. (laughs) You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.